trying to decide who to give the next opportunity to step in the ring with us for our WOW Tag Team titles. So tonight, a fatal four-way. Kona announcing a fatal four-way tonight. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! It was not me at the beginning of the uh, opening segment there, but it certainly shared my sentiment. We are potentially staring down the barrel of uh, yet another Tonga Twins Miami Sweet Heat match. And we will get more into that later on. Hello and uh, thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Green. And I, I assume, because <laughs> I did look around for a while, I, I guess I'm one of the few people that actually <laughs> reviews WOW and uh, fairly regularly. So I, I, I do appreciate those who uh, tune in for it and uh, uh, listen to the whatever little bit of wrestling news and tidbits that I may come across that particular day or th- that I'm able to share with you and, and get to uh, enjoy doing this. I, that's what I was trying. I was fumbling over my words there. But I enjoy getting the chance to do this, and I thank you for um, your time. So let's just go ahead and kick things off. Um, I would be doing myself this show and just wrestling news in general a disservice if I did not bring up the major uh, news that Monday Night Raw is going to Netflix. How about that? For the first time in its history, Raw is going to go onto a streaming platform. Now, of course, it's not like streaming platforms existed when it began oh so many years ago. I mean, I I am one of the the few people out there that might remember actually watching the first episode of of Monday Night Raw. Ah, damn. I'm an old man. Anyway, so yeah, the Monday Night Raw is moving over to Netflix beginning January 2025, which is a big deal for Netflix. It's a big deal for WWE also, but it's a big deal for Netflix. In the streaming wars right now, and I know we're getting off of pretty much wrestling news, 
But in the streaming wars right now, even though Netflix pretty well sits on top of that list currently, the idea has always been, you know, that they have to drive subscription numbers. And in order to get that and keep them, you want to have things that people want. Live sports has always been one of those things that they've been, you know, pushing for, which is why, you know, Amazon Prime has, you know, forked out money for the NFL, uh, you know, those Thursday night football games and so on and so forth, because people will come to it. The ones that know how to do uh, get online. I mean, if you're an older person and not familiar with it, it might be a little bit difficult for you to do that. But you get the point is that they, they try to get something that they know is going to have a strong slash loyal fan base and that people will sign up in order to see it and that's very likely what's going to happen there are people who have followed Monday Night Raw and the WWE around from whatever platform that has existed on it hasn't moved often but it has moved and when it does, it usually takes a chunk of their audience with them. So Netflix has already dabbled into the live broadcast thing. So they've tested the waters with this and they got a year that they have at this point, well, a little over, over a year to, to get it right. So they, they got a few more times to uh, you know test the ground, work out the bugs, do whatever it is they need to do. Um, but this will be a big thing for them. Because if you are somebody who has been big on, you know, making sure you catch Monday Night Raw or something like that, you're going to have to fork out some money now. You're going to, if you're not already subscribed to Netflix and you want to see this, you're going to have to subscribe. At least you got a year to get yourself prepared or a little over a year to get yourself prepared, but you're going to have to do that. But WWE is going to have something on, uh, Almost, I think, every major platform at this point. You got Raw going on Netflix, which is your streaming platform. SmackDown is flipping over to USA, so they still got that uh, relationship. And that's uh, cable. And NXT is going to over-the-air broadcast with the CW. I, I honestly trying to think had they covered all grounds like this before yeah i guess so because again it wasn't like it was a streaming platform years ago they had cable and they had broadcast television but in any case they, they got a lot of ground covered there a lot of ground uh speaking of that the, the tweet that uh triple h put out was this <clears throat> this partnership is one that will break new ground and take wwe to new heights thrilled to bring wwe raw to netflix coming january 2025 now we changed the game and um as reported by diva dirt well i their, their source is cnbc according to cnbc the deal for wwe raw on netflix is for 10 years and a total of five billion dollars at 500 million per year or 500 million per year raw moving to netflix will mark the first time the program has been off regular television in its history and will begin on a streaming platform. WWE Raw will continue to air on USA Network until October 2024. At that time, a home for that show is still up in the air. According to Variety, exactly where Raw will air between 
the end of that deal and the beginning of the next book deal is being determined. And they have at the bottom, Raw has been aired on USA Network since 2005. Now that's uh, is is correct, but it's also wrong uh, because they didn't they didn't give a qualifier to that statement. Raw has been airing on the USA Network not consecutively, but it began airing in 1993. So they left. I forget the year that they skipped over to Raw. I mean, not Raw, but they skipped over to um, uh, Spike TV. They aired on there for a couple of years, and they went back to USA Network. So it's, it's, they didn't begin in 2005. If you just read this and you had no concept of it, you would think that they started in 2005. No, that's that's not correct. Raw is a creation that started in the early 90s. Whew. Yeah, that's a long time. So anyway, uh, I would imagine that at this point, they are going to work out some version of a deal that could get them airing somewhere for what's that uh like two and a half months is that it well until october we'll, we'll just assume the beginning of october so they would have to cover you know pretty much the, the fall going into the winter october november december and they're gonna have to find some place to do that i would think that they would try to work out an extension of some sort with usa network you know they they do have a good relationship with them. I mean, it's not like they're leaving USA Network altogether. They are. Raw is leaving USA Network, but the WWE is not. They are. They are putting SmackDown on there, so that that may work in their favor. They may be able to get them like, hey, look, just just help us out for this time, or may or maybe Netflix step in. Who knows? This is that point where having that WWE Network would have come in handy, but we don't. We no longer have a WWE Network in. In the uh, United States, that is, you know, not not a WWE network proper. So, you know, I'm I'm sure smarter people than I in the WWE and and, and various other locations within their production teams and management will figure all that out. So, uh, it is it is a big deal. It's a it's a big thing that they have this going on right now. So, hey. Keep your eyes open. Um, by all accounts, it seems that Trinity Fatu has wrapped up with TNA. I still have I've gotten myself so used to saying Impact, <laughs> I have to kind of stop myself. But um, yeah, it seems by all accounts that she may be done here. I mean, no one has, has made it official, and we know how that is in the wrestling world. Because if she is, let's just say in this hypothetical situation, she finishes up with the company. Now, her episode or her rematch has not aired yet. The challenge for her rematch has, which was a good episode of, of TNA Wrestling, I have to say. Just as a sidebar, if you have not had the chance to watch, I mean, I, I never thought that I would see the day that TNA started to develop buzz all over again. But it's, it's getting some buzz, and, and they've had a really good show. I mean, just a really good show. It, it, yeah, it's two hours, but it's it's an easy two hours, man. I, I I would encourage you, if you are a wrestling fan, which, you know, if you listen to this, clearly you are. Uh, also, if you like women's wrestling, because they got that in there, you know, and, and in my opinion, the best ladies in the business. Um. 
yeah, to go go and check it out. I mean, and they up and down the, the show, there's there's some really good stuff there. So, um, and it looks good on, on TV. I mean, it those smaller arenas. I mean, they're not too big, but they're not tiny either. It's not like it's a high school gym or something. But it looks great for them. I mean, it it looks full and it, and it has a different vibe to it. I I just really enjoyed watching that show. Uh, so if you get the chance, and not women's wrestling, okay. So just just wanted to put this out. The main event was uh, Josh Alexander taking on Will Osprey. Great match. Great match. That's one of those matches that you can sell just on the idea of the match. Didn't really even need a a building it, it but they had a minor one they did give it something it was you know osprey wanted to have his match in the tna ring he grew up watching it. it's amazing to think that you're now at a point 20 years later that you have people who watch that as kids and now like i've always wanted to be in this ring my whole life and, and you, that's the generation you had now people who grew up watching this so um that was part of it he had already gotten one big win over alexander and wanted to do it again inside of a proper TNA ring. And the match was booked. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a big side note there. Um, but in any case, the matches that have been already shot, they've already been recorded. You can you can go and you, you will find the spoilers if you want. I'm not going to mention anything. But in any case, like I said, it, it appears that she contractually is wrapped up. They have not said one way or the other from any source that I've looked at that she is – Definitely out the door, although my suspicion would be is that she is. I do not know that for certain. However, that said, the Royal Rumble is this weekend as I am recording it. And if she is contractually free, it is very possible, very possible that Trinity Fatu could revert back into being Naomi and make an appearance at the Rumble. It is possible. Uh, I'm interested to see. I was going to say it later on, but I may as well say it now, uh, you know, because I was going to bring this up as it relates to WoW. Anything that is in the path of that show this Saturday is going to be eaten alive. I'm not saying no one's going to watch WoW at all or Collision or whatever's going on. But if you are a wrestling program that's on TV that Saturday with the Royal Rumble, with the amount of stories that they have intersection or intersecting, the star power that they've had, uh, you know, the, the, the overall curiosity that they have created just with the, the, the people, male and female, on their roster. All other wrestling shows are going to be eaten up this weekend. But the point being, you know, I, I know I've went off the rails there. The point being is that it is possible that she could show up. I don't expect anybody to say, yeah, I'm free, because if, if she did, it's going to ruin the surprise. And you know how the WWE loves their surprises. They they love having their surprises. Um. There are other things that's going on inside of the uh, TNA uh, universe. Uh, the show that, or the episode that I just talked to you about, Zaya Brookside made her singular 
debut against Tasha Steeles. She did debut at the pay-per-view, but that was part of the um, Ultimate X match. So I like that they did this. So even though she debuted in a multi-woman match, she got to have a debut singular of of that and, and, you know, show people what she can do. And, you know, it was it was a nice little match, nice way to introduce her. And imagine this. She came out and she got a win. How about that? Wow should take notes. So so she got her win uh, in, against Tasha Steeles. Uh, and, again, I am going to say if you haven't had a chance, if you if you um, on the fence about it, uh, give it a chance, man. Give it, give them a shot. Take a look at it. See, you know they they do post a lot of it on their YouTube channel and whatnot. I think you might enjoy it. Uh, I am still high on MK Ultra as a little side note, and I am interested to see where they're going with Ash by Elegance. I did see the first uh, vignette that they have posted with her or put on their program, and when I look at it. It does seem more like uh, she's a model, you know, with some sort of uh, high-end fragrance that she is representing, or something like that. I don't, I don't know if I particularly like the name, you know, unless they're just gonna shorten it down to Ash or Ash Elegance, or I don't know, something, something along those lines. But I am interested to see where it's going. I still understand why some fans look at her and they're like, ah, she's ripping off Tony Storm's gimmick. Um, But I I do want to give it some time to see where they head with that. And maybe, just maybe, you know, she might win me over. And for those that don't know, I I don't think I said Ash by Elegance is the former Dana Brooke from WWE. So if you were a fan of hers and you were looking to see a what she can do outside of a WWE universe. Well, now's your chance. You get to tune in, see if she is uh, doing it for you. Does she excite your curiosity, make you want to watch, make you want to tune into the show? And other news, Ava, The Rock's daughter, is NXT's general manager. How about that? 22 years old, which makes her officially the youngest general manager in WWE history. Now, I don't know where exactly they're going to be doing that, doing with this. I know they said that she's been helping Shawn Michaels out, but now she is the general manager. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. And, you know, not for nothing, we also know that The Rock is now part of the, the board of directors of the company that is over WWE, so... It, it all comes together, does it not? It all comes together. Other news, I probably should have said this when talking about Netflix, but I bring it up because our friends at WOW have relationships with Paramount Global. So before I begin with that, let me just say that this is not... Uh, me saying that this is going to cause them problems. I'm not not saying that. I'm I'm just presenting this because it potentially could, because no company is going to be up front and be like, oh yeah, we're about to start chopping shows and and you know stuff like that. They usually don't do that. They 
may have reports. They always keep a brave face. They always say the right things publicly, you know, generally speaking. But if, you know, things change internally, you never know how that will trickle down overall. Well, I was already sat through it. I mean, you have to you don't have to look any further than their um access run. That probably will answer all questions as, as it relates to that. Um, but the, from deadline, this is the source's deadline, Paramount Global is bracing for a new round of layoffs. Um, Paramount Global is proceeding with a new wave of staff reductions in February, which is right around the corner. And it is estimated at approximately 800 layoffs, potentially eliminating over 1,000 jobs. Now, what does that have to do with with WoW or wrestling in general? Well, WoW, like I said, WoW is the common denominator there. Their syndication deal, uh, as far as I understand, is through Paramount Global. Now, when I reached out to them, the response that I got that it should not affect them because they are a syndicated product. And that's good for them. That's good. You know, um, that gives a little bit of security provided that everything that was told was uh accurate but i have no reason not to believe them like i said it, it is a syndicated show it's not on um uh, cbs proper even though some talents in wow still insist watch me on cbs you're not on cbs <laughs> you, you gotta gotta let that go you're not on cbs you know, syndicated television as part of that, but not on CBS proper. But I know I, I only bring this up because if those layoffs reach into management, that would be where I would have my concern. I fully believe, you know, the young lady that responded that wow was, you know, fine. But it's always a case of when the management changes. And if somebody in the management doesn't like it or doesn't want it, for whatever reasons that they may not want it, it's gone. With Access TV, it didn't have anything to do with ratings from all up from what I remember. It was simply a case of we have ownership in Impact Wrestling. And we don't want and we want to focus on that. We don't want any other wrestling program on our network. And to their credit. They have reached back out. I think they they started, you know, talking with New Japan. And also, they have been very good to Im- Impact or NXT. Ah, not NXT, TNA. Too many too many initials. But, yeah, they, they have been very good to TNA at this point. So, you know, but that's just an example of what I'm talking about. You can go back further than that. You know, WCW, now, granted, they were losing money, but when they did have their mergers, that was one of the things that helped facilitate them getting cut loose. And it's not just wrestling. It's, it's happened to, like, I, I think they did the same thing to, like, a lot of the Cartoon Network shows that were airing around uh, 2000 and 2001, kind of wiped them out. You can go back a lot further. Uh, there's an infamous story in CBS lore where – some of their top shows at one point in time, and we're what are we? We're talking in the '60s, I believe. But one of the top shows, the 
that were on television at the time were shows like Green Acres and uh, Mayberry RFD and Petticoat Junction and stuff like that. And they, these were highly rated. The management changed. And then the new guy came in. He's like, I don't want this. It was as simple as that. I, I do not want to be seen as the country channel. Get rid of it. And the famous line said, anything that's got a tree in it, cancel it. That was, that's the what they said the famous line was. So all of that to say that, you know, I would pay attention. If I am in WOW, I would pay attention to that because you never know. And, and it's unfortunate that things like that would be completely out of your control because it is. That, that would be completely out of their control. It's not like they would have anything to be able to do to fix it unless – Genie bus pulls some strings and like, hey, let me fork out a couple of million so y'all change your mind. I don't know. But yeah, I just thought that that should be addressed and brought up because it would be interesting to see. And we, we've only got like a month. If anything comes from it, we'll know it and we'll know it pretty soon. <clears throat> this edition of WOW that is being reviewed aired January 20th, 2024, episode 71, Who Gets the Tongas? And for me, chronologically, it's going to be, well, seasonally is 219. For me, chronologically, is episode 71. So the show opened with the Tonga twins after the commentators talk up the beast and tormentor. Dave McClain mentions when the twins are introduced that he didn't think that he would like them I, for some reason. I, um, I had to write down, I was like, is this foreshadowing? Is he tr- is he laying out that they may go healed? Uh, is he that deep <laughs> that he would do that? But for whatever reason, in the, in the midst of like, oh, yeah, I didn't think that anybody would like him. Or, well, I didn't like him until I got to know him, you know, Nigel and all that good stuff. But the twins get in there into the ring. They cut a promo and basically create a fatal four-way, which (laughs) I'm still up in the air about wrestlers and teams just being able to assign their own matches at any given time, especially when the show has a recognized matchmaker. David McClain is a recognized matchmaker on this show, but he doesn't always make the match. And this this little segment was like weird. Because they get in the ring, they make the announcement. You heard it at the beginning. That they, you know, we'll take on anybody. And this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make a fatal four-way. And Davis like a four-way. You know, he sounds all surprised and everything. But but then within seconds, all four teams that they have for this four-way that they just created in the ring a minute ago. Is already there. Like, and tonight is going to be the main event. The Mother Truckers, Las Benditas, the Wrecking Ball, and and uh, Raina Del Rey, and, and Miami Sweet, they're all going to be in together. I was like, well, okay, well, how did they produce that? <laughs> Didn't they just come up with this concept a second ago? Sometimes, and I'm not saying it ruined the entirety of the show, but sometimes their present, past, and future tense and how the show is perceived is out of whack. And this is one of those moments where it's like, okay, I know 
from production that this show is taped. I know that this is shot well in advance. I get that. But are we presenting the show as it is taped or are we presenting the show as this is present now? And I think that has to be addressed at some point so that things like this don't happen and it doesn't get worse. Because either they came out there and they made this match right then on the spot or the match was already made and he's just reacting to it weirdly for, for no good reason. Well, I should say he's reacting to it like he's surprised for no good reason. He shouldn't be surprised. The match is clearly already set. So <clears throat> we had the wrestlers assigning their own matches. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of that, that but that's just me. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't always enjoy it. I, it it's fine when they when something kind of leads into that, but nothing led into this except if you want to bring up last week when they're like, oh, yeah, Tiki, we, we got our own thing that we want to do and, you know, whatever. And what is with these baby faces deciding that they, you know, hey, you know, we'll take on everybody, so just give us this match. I'm surprised they didn't insert themselves in it. Like, we'll take on the gauntlet. We'll just fight everybody and, and then go out here and lose. Anyway, that, that, that's all off topic. So anyhow, we'll, we'll go to the next segment. Next segment, Exile versus the Mighty Mites and Steffi Slays. This is a uh, trios tournament match. And here's another one of those moments that was like, okay, I need you to make this make sense for me. David McLean, at some point in this, begins to explain why the tournament does not have brackets. And he goes into, well, it's not like an NCAA tournament or this, that tournament, that. We don't have brackets because they're, because they're still coming in. There's still people that's asking to be part of this and so on and so forth. Which is nonsense, but, you know, I, I digress. So... He explains this. He goes through the explanation of why there are no tournament brackets only later on in the show to have tournament brackets appear on the screen. Now, I was actually proud of them that they had tournament brackets because they never do it. They never have tournament brackets that they show. They actually showed it on the screen, but my problem was like, why did they have him? Why did he go through this whole song and dance, try to explain it away if they were going to have it anyhow? This is another one of those cases like somebody should be there quality checking the program. Because if somebody had sat and watched this from top to bottom, one of those things should have been removed. Either. You have David McClain's statement recut and dubbed over, or you remove the bracket graphic that they had laid on the program. You, you don't need both that are clearly in contradiction with each other. So anyhow, <clears throat> this match is fine. I don't think anybody walked into this with any illusions about who was going to come out on top. I mean... Is Steffi Slays and the Mighty Mites. And I hate to say that like that, but it's Steffi Slays and the Mighty Mites. 
that they had no chance. I said it in the last podcast. It's a recipe for failure. Now, that didn't mean that they didn't put up a reasonable showing. Doesn't mean that they didn't have a fun match. Doesn't mean that they didn't do a good job. But what it does mean is that the ending was never in doubt. So the story here isn't who was going to win. The story was exile playing up dissension in their body language. And and we give them full and absolute credit here. They really, even in subtle ways, kept that angle alive. Facial expression, body language, the stuff they're doing when they're out the ring, the tag in and outs and stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the match, of course, it is very evident because you have, you know, the way that it ended out. And I'll get to that in a second. But they all, in my view, did a good job. I I am only disappointed. That for whatever reason, Exile has not been presented in a tag team championship contendership at all. Like it's almost like they have never crossed paths in that division. It's like Exile exists in their own thing. They've said they wanted a title shot what, uh, a couple of months ago. But they've never been in that position that I can recall. And if they did, it wasn't anything of major note. I have been very clear. I, I enjoy the Team X. I like all three of them. Ice Cold won me over. I was I was down on her, you know, initially, and I did not like her in that hodgepodge group of IQ Superior with Steffi Slays. It, it just, her in that group, made it look more like a clown show and I don't I'm not saying that about her it's just it was it's an ice queen it's a military person it's a teacher that's gone evil it's a a brilliant but uh, heinous genius you know it was it was just a hodgepodge of characters just thrown in together whereas with exile she looks like she actually fits even though she doesn't have the same color scheme She's less gimmicky in being ice cold here rather than ice cold with IQ superior, if that makes sense. Here, she's less of a cartoon. It comes off to me more like a name rather than, yes, I live in the Arctic and I, you know, and doing ice puns every chance that she gets. Here, she looks like it is a team, a wrestling team. Now, it's a team of dissension right now, but is they still come across like a wrestling team. Um, <clears throat> so, Ice Cold, Exile, taking on the Mighty Mites, Debbie Slays. Uh, again, the match is fine. It, there are points in it that are actually pretty fun. Uh, Debbie Slays looks like she was meant to be a part of the Mighty Mites, even though she's the elder statesman and a little bit larger than the other two. She's about the same height, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. Uh, you, you had this very colorful combination of wrestlers there with uh, Sugar and Spice. I, I think they should probably change their color scheme from the red and yellow. 
But uh, that and the all purple of Stephanie Slays, it they look like they should be a team, quite honestly. If we're just going off of the the rainbow of colors that they have. Um but ultimately in the end, uh who's it that that I think it was Spice that dropped the fall. Whoever it was, the one that's in the red. So it ends when uh, we'll, we'll just call her Spice for the benefit of this. She charges in after uh, Exodus. Exodus gets her up in a driver, I believe. And then it's, <clears throat> they set her up for what they call the temperature drop, which is a combination move from Exodus and Ice Cold. She basically comes off of the knee and drops an elbow on whoever her opponent is. So she hits that. And I'm sorry, it was body slam, not a driver. So she hits that, and she goes for the cover. But as she's going for the cover, then here comes uh, Genesis. She charges in, and she get up. And, you know, it's like she pushes her off, and then she gets the pin. Now I'm not sure how that exactly works. <laughs> I'm not. I don't remember if she was the legal person or not. But she takes the pin because she says she's the leader, and she, you know, she's the one that's supposed to be doing this. So the dissension in the team still exists. The arrogance of Genesis being there is being played up. Ice Cole has some really good facial expressions when she's, you know, like, okay, yeah, we it's, it's like we won, but, man, you had to take that away from me, that, that, that type of thing. Um, Exodus is is clearly upset. She gets the microphone and then the microphone's taken away from her as the the quote leader is yelling. I mean all of this is is good. It is good. It's she cuts a promo at the end. Uh she being uh Genesis. And if there's anything that I feel like is a problem in this let's let's sidebar to David McClain. So as she's cutting the, the, the promo, David inserts into the promo unnecessarily to say, you know, bring up, well, and you uh, robbed your partner of the pen and, and whatnot. It, it, there was no real need for him to say that on the microphone. It just, it just wasn't. It, it's one of those points of like he has to pull it back some. He's already there top to bottom, and he's not going to go anywhere. But they're going to walk a fine line with him if he doesn't pull back on some of this. And what I mean by that is he already has some people out there who are not fond of his style of work. And that's acceptable because everybody has that. Every everybody that's in a public forum has somebody that's like, I don't care for him. But what he doesn't want to do is is push that further. He's the matchmaker. And I've I've gone over this already. He's the lead commentator. He's the matchmaker. He's the lead interviewer. He's, you know, the guy that gets up and does this. And there's no title for it, but you know, just to question the people from the commentating booth that when there's no real need for it is and he talks through the the backstage segments which i i really hope he throttles that back that 
that is probably the single most annoying thing that he may do is answer questions that the person that is talking cannot hear. And it's it just, you know, it, it becomes annoying. But anyway, uh, he inserts himself unnecessarily into it, and then she responds, and then they end up in the promo. So all of that to say, Exile as a group I am still high on. I hope that they get that they're, they're not perfect. Okay, they're not perfect, but I hope they get better. I like the presentation. I hope they get the opportunity to get better. But Dave McLean should not be doing things like this. I, I think I said something to that effect in the in the previous podcast. Like there's there's no way to go with the heels interacting with him all the time. There's there's no end game for that, other than you know him making some other match or whatever the case may be. But no, there's nowhere to go from that, and they should probably pull that back some. Um, the next segment, Little J Boogie has a confrontation with the Brack Pack, and uh, this is BK Rhythms, and you, you knew this was going to happen. You knew this was going to happen. She does that rap on Boogie. Boogie returns her rap, which is equally as bad. And then she dances off out of the scene. Uh, it was entertaining but pointless. Like it, it, there's, this doesn't go anywhere. Now, they may come back around to it because I, I think that they have something where they may insert her in, as a third member. It would not surprise me because they don't have any regard for heel or baby faces and, and wow at times. And this would be one of those times. But this was essentially an introduction of Lil J Boogie, I do not like the name, to the Brat Pack. Since Robbie Rocket is not there any longer, apparently, you got to have somebody that is going to be, you know, in the hip hop sphere, even though Gigi Gianni does not fit that narrative at all. But, you know, she looks good. And she looks good in the team, so I guess that's about it. But like I said, you you knew at some point with that character there, she was going to cross paths with BK Rhythm somewhere, somehow, doing something. Uh, The next segment, Penelope Pink with Lana Starr taking on Candy Crush. This match I enjoyed. Did not enjoy the commentary here, but I enjoyed the match. And it's not often that I would bring up the commentary as a sticking point, but I'll explain that. First off, the match was very move and counter move. It shows me that Crush seems to be getting better. You know, she she's she's not a veteran wrestler. She doesn't go running across the independents and things like that. But she, in a wild ring, she does pretty good. Now, I do keep an account that the wild ring is a little bit smaller, you know, and, and the, the time frame's a little different, and they, they quite possibly, I don't, this part I don't know, but, you know, like I say, take this with a grain of salt. They quite possibly work out the match in full before they get out there. But, in, but either way it goes, Crush has done well for herself once they got her out of the goofy 
gimmicks that she was a part of. Like, I got to get my Grammy's gloves back and, and all that stuff. And walking through a clearly not haunted house, you know, <laughs> and being scared to death. They do not need to have her trying to act and be overly emotional with scenes. This is the best use of Candy Crush. She is a competitor, and they need to just feed into her being a competitor rather than, hey, we need you to perform this. That's, you know, it just doesn't work for her. Her strong suit is this. Uh, The match is very enjoyable. But it is odd that McLean starts selling Penelope Pink getting over a cold and getting over the you know the flu and whatnot. Uh, now whether that's true or not, that is largely considered babyface commentary. We when we're trying to give the babyface an out, you bring up things like that. Oh my gosh, Candy Crush, she's doing the best she could do. She just had her leg repaired. You know, she just came back from the doctor the other day. She's working probably off of 60%, David, you know, stuff like that. Because if she loses at that point, it's the valiant effort of the of the wrestler that's coming in to try to, you know, fulfill their commitments or take on the, the challenge that they had already committed themselves to or the title shot or or get the revenge or whatever reasons that they happen to be in the ring, they do that to give them the valiant try, whether they succeed or not. So it seemed a little weird that that was being talked up on Penelope Pink, who is clearly the heel. It's like he was giving her an excuse and an out when she didn't need it. Uh, she didn't come in looking sick. She didn't wrestle sluggish. If he never brought it up, you would never know. And she wasn't going to lose. She did not lose. So th- th- I didn't get why he was doing it. And then there was a point where it looked like Nigel tried to steer that conversation away from Penelope Pink being sick and she's just getting over this and, you know, she – she's a champion you know that i mean he talked her up like she was like she was the baby face nigel seemed like he tried to steer it away from that at some point but couldn't do it because dave mcclain went right back into talking about it so i so the commentary was a little bit weird to me if you if you watch it you can just pay attention if you've seen it already you probably know what i'm talking about It, it just was a strange thing to have that happen when it should have been something as related to Candy Crush. I can understand if the the narrative here was, well, we got these two ladies, Penelope Pink just lost her opportunity to regain the championship with Abilene Maverick. She's trying to get back on track. Candy Crush just lost her first match in months. She's trying to get back on track. And the importance of the match now being that these two who were, you know, top, the women in the in the promotion are trying to get themselves back into where they should and think they would be, and only one of them can can win. You know, there can only as the as the line from Highlander, there can only be one. So you know, I thought that should have been the narrative here, not that Penelope Pink is somehow gutting through just getting over a cold 
or the flu or any you know, on the and the covid test and all that stuff yeah it 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 just seemed like it would have been a better fit for the story being told so um Penelope Pink wins the match, as I said, with another finishing move. She seems like she's got like five or six of them. But this one was called the Pink Exchange. At some point towards the end, Penelope Pink gets hoisted up. I'm not, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say she gets hoisted. She went up to the second rope and then Candy Crush got her off of it. So she didn't just grab her off of the ground she she got her from the second rope and walks her out so she can get ready to do what we will soon be a finish pink then grabs the rakes the eyes she does it the heel thing and rakes the eyes now more or less that's the only real cheating point that she had and then she hooks uh crush in a half nelson to spin her around into a high knee and that's what they called the pink exchange Puts her out cold, one, two, three, and then crushes down and she suffers a second loss. Uh, there were people in the room that saw this one that were <laughs> visibly upset. It's like, oh man, Penelope Pink won, why? You know, which I, I was so amused by that they let themselves get that uh, caught up in the match. But I was trying to, I was like, it, the loss serves a purpose. And it did. The loss served a purpose here. So. Before we get to that purpose, we go to the end where Pink cuts another promo, which is good for her because she needs to keep establishing who Penelope Pink is, and I, I like that. Um, she refers to herself as the Wow Factor. Nice nickname. I was like, okay, I can get with that. The Wow Factor, Penelope Pink. It takes her away from sounding like a complete cartoon character. And I think that the more of that you get, the more palatable WOW will be for people who are used to seeing TNA wrestling, AEW wrestling, uh, WWE in its various divisions and, and brands, uh, MLW, you know, whatever. I, I think it would make it more palatable if, if you have less of the gimmick and less of the cartoon uh, across the board. So I like I like the WOW factor. Just like I said, I like the... Uh, the, the title of the VIP for Abilene Maverick rather than I'm the governor's daughter. I was like, you know, it it just sounds better. So uh, it was a minor cheating point that she raked the eyes, but it was a cheating point and it worked good. She It was facing the hard cam so you could make sure you could see it. That's, yeah, it, it all worked for me. And of the matches that were there, this is one of the more enjoyable ones. So we go to the next segment, and this is, I was so happy for this. This is uh, Princess Ozzy interacting with um, Candy Crush. I was happy with this for a couple of reasons. One, it's about time that they had that confrontation. It was about time. Two, even though it took place in the wild steps, it wasn't the same angle that they have constantly used for the wild steps. It was at the top of them. I was like, okay, great. Just a different look. So that was that was good. And three, the 
response that they had Candy Crush give made so much more sense. Now, the only thing that I concern with when we're talking about this segment, I think that there are times that WoW expects the audience to react the way that they are assuming that they should. I largely get the feeling that they want Princess Ozzy to be the sympathetic baby face in this and that Candy Crush is overreacting. But if they don't, and I, I hope that's the direction that they're going, if they don't, and if this is if this is a case of, okay, Ozzy was being a jerk and she did ignore her, then this would make all the sense in the world. This would be fantastic. So in any case, we got Ozzy coming up to crush after the match. And she's like, oh, okay, um, hey, I'm sorry I wasn't around for you when you, when, you know, you asked me to check out your match and so on and so forth. And Chris like, oh, hey, look, it's ancient history, water under the bridge type thing. And so Ozzy is then like, oh, well, so since we have time, I, you know, I have some notes about your match, you know, tonight. And, you know, and that's when Chris said, hey, look, I I know it went wrong in that match now, so, you know, don't, don't worry about it, you know, basically is what she's saying. And this is where... Ozzy's like, well, you know, but we're supposed to learn from our mistakes and get better. And that's when you get Candy Crush doing the adult thing and letting her know that, hey, look, I asked for this 10 weeks ago. I was so proud that they actually acknowledged the time frame. So, like, I asked for that 10 weeks ago so that I could keep winning. She established her, her gripe. It's like I, I wanted it then so that I would not be in this position now, basically. And then she points out the obvious. And the one time that you made time for me after you lost the title is when I lost. And so, so I was like, this is great. This is great. I mean, it took forever for them to get to it. <laughs> that's, that's the only problem that I have. It takes so long. Like, ugh. It's, it's just weeks and weeks and weeks. And then you, then you have to remember it. You know, you have to remember that this actually took place. But if you're getting past the time frame and all that good stuff like that, this was a good segment. And I, I love that they gave Candy Crush the ability to respond like a natural human being. This goes directly back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the the, the season or the year or whatever when they had her constantly crying and whining and oh, the, my gloves and you know and, uh, all of that stuff she was she was always whining here she's an adult and this is what she needs to be she's a boxer she's a wrestler she shouldn't be crying about all this stuff she could be upset she could show emotion, but she shouldn't be, you know, over the top with it the way that she had been prior to this. So she lets her know what she thinks about her, tells her, you know, that what her problem was, like, thanks, but no thanks, and then she leaves. And Ozzy's standing like, oh, come on, you know, that, you know, that kind of a reaction. And, of course, during this segment, you have Dave McClain. He makes, oh, you did walk out on her, Princess Ozzy. You know, that, you know, that kind of thing. 
Um, less of him, more of them, and this would have been a perfect segment. It's, it's not perfect because he decided to open his mouth through it. But my question coming out of this is, who are they going to portray as being in the wrong? I sincerely hope, is of course we know this is already shot, but I sincerely hope that the person that they put in the uh, in the role of the sympathetic baby face here would be Candy Crush. She should be the sympathetic face in this scenario. She was asking for help from what was assumed to be her friend who didn't have any time for her until she lost the championship. Now all of a sudden, I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly willing to help you out. So she should be the sympathetic baby face in this this scenario, time will tell. I hope it gets to that. The next segment, Tormenta versus The Beast. Uh, this is somewhat played up as a grudge match, even though it's got kind of, you know, vague heat. is <laughs> not hot. <laughs> that, that's for certain. And Dave McClain is constantly bringing up that Tormenta is a former Mexican champion. I'm tired of hearing that now. He, every time she's there, it's like the one thing that he's able to say that gives her any level of credibility. But, at, but how many times can she lose and that be the thing that saves her credibility? Loss after loss after loss after loss. Well, she was a former Mexican champion, Nigel. Or she was a former Mexican champion, Stephen. Hey, Tormenta, she's a former Mexican champion. Like, apparently that didn't mean anything because she keeps losing. That title, she might as well have just been wrestling in front of 20 people. Like, she was the champion of this high school gym. It, it means nothing. So it should just stop. It would be a different thing if that actually worked into something or or she was played up as being a legitimate contender or a legitimate threat. I've said before, your heels have to win something. And not just win over minor people, but they got to win something major at some point to be regarded as a credible threat. Tormenta has not been regarded as a credible threat. She keeps getting these big matches, but she keeps losing the big matches also. So, they stayed on the floor for a long time, the Beast and Tormenta, which only made me ask myself, is this a no-holds-barred match or or, uh, no DQ or no count out or whatever. I mean, I, I don't remember hearing that. But that's how I was somewhat treated. This match is relatively short. I mean, uh, I think it's like three minutes long. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is not long at all. It, it's a high impact match for a while. But it's, but it's got no time to it. I probably everything that the beast needed, you know, to let's give her a short match where she gets smashed over top of somebody and, you know, get the win, which is pretty much what it is. I mean, they, they, they like leveling the beast up as some sort of cyborg and, you know, that she can't be stopped and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, overall, I mean, like I said, they, they had a, a portion of the match where they were on the outside for a, an inordinate amount of time. Probably did not need to have that. 
Uh, there's a portion of it where where the spot was very clear what they were getting ready to do, uh, and that being Tormenta sticks her head through the ropes because she's been tossed over the top, and then she comes back up on the apron. The bees cuts her off. Uh, Tormenta puts her head through the ropes. She gets hit, and now she's standing there dazed and standing there and standing there, and you know what's coming as the beast comes up to the ropes and she preps herself to leap over the top so she can give her what is supposed to be a DDT on the apron. So she does that. Tormenta goes down. She takes the, the bump on the on the apron and, you know, they, they fight on the outside for, like I said, an inordinate amount of time. I'm not even sure if the referee was bothering to count at this point. I will say... You know, Tormenta does look good when she has these matches, and she she puts up a lot of effort. But uh, clearly, her her status in WoW is not going to be of high standing. She's her job seems like she's there to fulfill um, the heel when they need a heel. I guess that's that's probably the the best way I could put it. We, just there to kind of like, all right, look, we need somebody that this person can face and they can go ahead and beat. That's a heel and not a baby face. You know, that's what it comes across to me. Uh, there's also a point on the outside where the beast looks like she's trying to do the old swing into the, the guardrail bit and she lost her. Uh, I probably would have cut that out of the show if I could have helped it. That's I would rather that just be gotten rid of rather than to show her losing her grip or or her strength failing her because it goes against you know everything that I've been pitching about the beast. I, if I'm going to go all in on her and have her be my my cyborg, as I said, then that's what I want her to be. I want her to be the unstoppable monster until I say otherwise. So they get back in the ring. Tormenta's in one corner, the beast is in the other. She charges in, the beast does, and she gets hit in the face with a foot as Tormenta brings up the boot at the last second. Then she gets up on the top rope. Looks like she's getting ready to go for the Meteora. This is a finish that we've seen uh, Batista do a couple of times. Somebody come off and he catch him in the Batista bomb. And what else what the beast does here? She catches... Uh, Tormenta coming off the top rope and she catches her in the beast bomb and she folds her up one, two, three, and that's it. So, what do we say? In, in like three minutes, she goes through Tormenta. So, it's like it's, it's not like Tormenta was that big of a competitor or she was that much of competition to the beast in this regard. She just, she went down in flames like everybody else did. They no one that has come up against the beast primarily has made it look like they were of of a equal stature. They didn't. They didn't seem that way. Um. After the match, the beast uh, cuts a promo. It's basically what you expect. It is. I'm the beast, I'm the biggest, I'm the baddest, I'm coming after the championship. That's not exactly how it's phrased, but that's that's the overall narrative of the promo. I, I'm the beast, I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest, and I'll get my championship back. So 
There, there's not a lot there. I am glad that WoW has begun allowing them to do promos rather than vignettes all over the place. I don't mind the vignettes. I don't mind the backstage stuff. But it is still a wrestling program, and the wrestlers need to be able to communicate that to the audience, both live and in, you know, in the arena. They need to be able to communicate those things to that crowd one way or the other. So I'm glad that they're getting a chance to do it. Now, I don't know how good an uh, orator the beast happens to be. Her material does come off like it is, hey, you're going to go out there and you're going to say this. It, it comes off to me like that. But practice does make perfect. And hopefully she will get more time to get on the microphone, say her piece, interact with some people. I mean, it's, it's good that they all have gotten a chance to get on the mic and speak. The next phase for them is going to be you're going to have to do some exchanges with some people. You're going to have to get on the microphone. And let's just say it's the beast and Abilene Maverick comes into the ring. You're going to have to be able to get on the microphone at some point and do a verbal exchange with somebody to kind of draw interest in your match. As it is right now, the only people that they really have verbal exchanges with is David McClain, which I'm like, yeah, they need to stop this. They need to stop this. They cannot keep talking to David. He is not going to go anywhere. They, you know, everybody that I've, that I've said something about who got a microphone in their hand, the Tonga Twins, Penelope Pink, the Beast, uh, 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 who's the Genesis of Exile, they have all basically spoken to the hard cam, and they've all essentially communicated or talked to David McClain one way or another. Or he starts talking through them while they're, while they're on the microphone. So that, that would be my only suggestion or my only add-on to this is that, you know, it'd be nice if every once in a while they got to where they can actually speak with each other. Or the Beast, you know, like I said, Sofia Lopez was out there with Tormenta. She, it would have been nice to have some interactions between the two or something like that. The managers need to be able to do it too. But it was a, it was a fair match. It was a short match and, and you know, nothing to write home about. It, it was a Beast match. What, what else can I say? Uh, this is the point, the next segment is where when I said that he contradicted themselves, this is it. The commentators talked about not having brackets for the show, but then they showed these brackets. And showed you who advanced and who lost, which was surprising. I'm just amazed that they, you know, tried to talk you out of, well, well we don't have brackets because of this. And then they have them. Go figure. Uh, next segment is Abilene Maverick. She has a... a a promo or vignette out of what appears to be her office explaining who she is and how she got there. This was needed and I was glad to see it. It, it was at least something. It sounds like she could be changing her gimmick from, like I said earlier, the governor's daughter to the VIP. I would love for her just to be the VIP. But this is the same way I felt when I saw Holiday cut a promo at the end of her 
feud, non-feud with Chainsaw is that she was able to save it with the promo that she cut. She was able to give it some level of of uh, credibility, for lack of a better term. And whereas Abling Maverick does not have a feud that she's in right now to talk to someone about, this promo is probably the best thing that they could have did to insert her back into the wild universe or the wild world or galaxy or whatever you want to call it. She was able to explain why she showed back up with her decisions, why she, you know, in so many words, why she was the governor's daughter, her move from her home state to Las Vegas, and all of these things. I'm like, this is, this is what needed to be there. And it looked good. It was a different set. Championship there on the on the side. The laptop, I mean, it had a little wild logo on it. I'm, I'm, you, you let that go. You let that slide. But, yeah, I thought this was, this was good stuff. The main event that was arranged at the beginning of the show, but somehow they had their competitors already lined up, was a fatal four-way. Las Banditas with Sofia Lopez. Last call, Miami's Sweet Heat with Lana Starr and the Mother Truckers. And then immediately, this is a heel-heavy match. That is, that is true. You got one babyface team here. You got the Mother Truckers. But immediately when this happens, David McClain gets up and he kicks the managers out. He's like, Sophia Lopez, you can't be here. Lana Starr, you can't be here. Now, we don't know the rhyme or reason as to why this match, they couldn't be there when uh, Lana Starr was out earlier and so was Sophia Lopez out earlier. It wasn't explained why. He just decided that, you know, I don't want you out there, I guess. Which goes back to that inconsistency of who is the matchmaker and who's in charge here. Did the Tonga Twins make this match or not? But they get kicked out, and uh, it's now just the teams. Um. Tags may have been missed during this, and this, for all intents and purposes, was a no holds barred match. Or at least no count out. No count out and assumably no disqualification. Um, it was all right. I mean, it was it was a cluster. Well, let's just go ahead and say, say that for what it is. The match had its good points in it, but it also had some hiccups. And it was a lot of stuff to try to call. Ultimately, this match is pretty pretty short, too. I think the match in and of itself is probably like five minutes long. The video might be ten minutes, but the thing, the match on its own is five or six. So it's a normal, wild match. Uh, and again, like I said, there's a little bit of a cluster that's going on here. There's a point at the beginning of the match where <laughs> the heels are all arguing in the center of the ring, or at least one representative of each team. Uh, one of one of the last called the Banditas and Miami Sweet Heat. And as they're doing that, then uh, 
Holly Swag gets the idea like, ah, ha, I, got, I know what I'll do. I'll just climb to the top rope. Which meant that now they had to ignore her going up to the top rope because one of them looked directly over in her direction and then she had to turn back around like I didn't see that. So she comes off the top and nails all three. It looks like she might have come up just a, a hair short of getting all three legitimately. It was um, mostly Sanchez that took that breath because she didn't come up she didn't come down across. She came down like vertical. The other two on the sides just had to go down with her. And I'm not going to call the entirety of the match, but but again, this is a this is a heel heavy matchup. So the mother truckers are the only given baby faces in this contest. There's a point where the last call is like they're looking to go run off to give double kicks to Swag. But either direction that they were looking to go would have potentially gotten them tagged out. So they didn't do it. They just decided, all right, we'll just kick her right here. Uh, there's a, a point where there were stunners being given. And I'm, I'm going way to the end with that. I don't know why Los Bandidas took the stunners the way they did, but those stunners were terrible. They, they, they were terrible. I, I'm i pretty sure they felt bad about them. That's, that's how bad the stunners were. I'm pretty sure they looked back at this video like, oh, God, why'd I take it like that? But it wasn't just one of them. They both took the stunner awkwardly. I, I don't know how they, they were looking to do it. Uh, the mother truckers both uh, simultaneously give Sanchez and Rivera stunners. Rivera sat down with hers for I'm not yeah Rivera sat down with hers for some reason or another. Sanchez looked like she took it sideways for some for some reason. I it, it was just it wasn't good you know it, it just wasn't. It's almost to the point that you know I, I I've never liked the old Vince McMahon thing do it again. But in cases like this, I can understand why. I can understand it. And I would probably have insisted on it. If I, if there was a hand signal that I could have given the referee, like, make them do that again and tell them to get it right. This probably would have been the point in the match. I would have said, just have them do it again. Change that because this looks terrible. But in any case, the truckers hit it. You have the other heel teams, last call and sweet heat out on the floor. The banditas are down and uh, unable to get up because of these stunners. The referee can't get back in the ring because Miami Sweet Heat are, are grabbing the, the legs of the referee. They won't let him back in. And then you have Vicky Lamb McCoy and Penelope Pink sliding in with the mirrors, the, the Fabulous Four gimmick sugar mirrors. Uh, and they knock both of the mother truckers out. I have never been a fan of those mirrors as their gimmick. Doesn't seem like it would be something that would knock somebody out. And they always hit them glass first. If anything, I would think that that would be uh, like cutting them up or you would get some blood in the ring or something like that if they'd get smacked across the head with glass. 
But that never happens, which is why I'm like, I don't know if I like this particular gimmick. I mean, take something else and just spray paint it pink. If you if you're trying to make it fit, I, I mean, give Lana Star a scepter or I don't know, it's, just, it's something else. But those mirrors are just weak. They they they're just a it's a weak gimmick. I don't like them. And they've been using that thing for twenty years with Lana Star. It didn't work then. It doesn't work now. Swap it with something. It's not that difficult to do. I I said it several podcasts ago. I was like, if it were me. I'd have bought some brass knucks and spray painted those things uh, neon pink and get those girls to learn how to work with the brass knucks. Pop somebody, and then that's your knockout. No one's going to question brass knuckles. But, you know, that that's that's my solution to it. I know WoW is never going to take that. Or they might. I don't know. So, anyway, the referee gets in. Miami Sweet Heat stops Lost Banditas from getting the cover because as uh, the truckers got knocked out, both of the Banditas crawled over top of the unconscious mother truckers. One of them goes for the cover early, then uh, the other sister, Laurie, tosses the uh, the Banditas out of the ring. They, they both get up. Uh, <laughs> I probably would have edited out the shot of, of uh, Wrecking Ball attempting to catch who was that, Sanchez, uh, being tossed out of the ring uh, because she was nowhere near her when she caught her. Well, she didn't catch her at all, I should say. So she wasn't anywhere near her. So I probably would have just said, give me another camera shot. <laughs> can, can we edit that part out? We don't need that. So anyway, um, they're out on the floor. Wrecking Ball, Del Rey, Rivera, and Sanchez are all out on the floor. Miami Sweet Heat has ditched their opponents. They're covering both members of the mother truckers. And that was it. They won the match. One, two, three. And now Miami Sweet Heat is in line of getting another title shot against the Tonga Twins. I was, I don't have a problem with Miami Sweet Heat, but I wasn't happy with this. Like, they're a, a fine team. But I can live without another Tonga Twins Miami Sweet Heat match. They don't have that kind of rivalry. Those matches are not so outstanding and so over the top and great that I would be looking forward to seeing another one of them. Maybe somebody out there is. Most of the people that's on the wild forums are, but they look like they're looking for these matches for all the wrong reasons. Anytime I look at lately, at least, when I've looked at it, it's been like, you're so beautiful. Oh, this, this is great. You're a fire. It's like they mentioned everything about their looks, nothing about the match. So for that crowd, it doesn't matter what they do. <laughs> as long as they got them some skimpy outfits and show some legs and possibly some boob, you know, they'll be happy with the match. But anyway, uh, I was going to go into why they should not have been having this match. I'm sure the match is already shot, and there's no way that they're going to get out of it now. But they are not an attraction. The WOW Tag Team Championship match between these two teams is not an attraction, at least ratings-wise. They almost always have lost viewers Every time that they've come across each other. I, 
it's quite possible that there are members of WoW and, and <laughs> some of their roster that have heard this, but I, I think it needs to be, it bears hearing again. The ratings for that main event have almost consistently lost viewers. Let's go back to the first time. Well, the first time I'm going to pull up. I, I, first time they wrestled was uh, the end of the tournament. We're not going to go all the way back that far. But we are going to go back to August. Now, keep in mind, August 20th is the highest viewership that WoW has had, period. Well, since they're returning. This is the highest viewership that they've had. 428,000 viewers estimated. And they had gained viewers from the previous week. From August 13th to August 20th, they gained viewers. They gained like 71,000 viewers. And then they went into August 27th. The main event, the Tonga Twins versus Miami Sweet Heat for the tag team titles, no DQ. And they lost 153,000 viewers. 153,000 viewers tuned out of that. Now, in fairness to both teams, that's not to say that they're solely responsible for it. They could have been up against another pay-per-view or a big event, sporting out. I mean, I, I don't have those notes in front of me right now. So it's possible that other factors came into play. But it does not change that their viewership dropped with them being on top. Let's go to the next one. This is in October. The Tonga Twins versus Miami Sweet Heat on October 8th. Lost 7,000 viewers from the previous week. Previous week's main event was Princess Ozzy and Penelope Pink for the Wild Championship. It's another thing to say that, that wild, the championships that they have have been kind of overused. It's, it's almost, you know, it, it does lose a little something to have like the entire month practically of October was is Wild Championship, Tag Team Championship, Wild Championship, Tag Team Championship. It was just over and over and over. But it seemed like, which is why I bring that up, it seemed like the WOW championship, the singular championship, had more attention on it rather than the tag team championships. As I just stated, on October 8th, they lost 7,000 viewers, but and the main event was the Tonga Twins versus the Miami Sweet Heat. The following weekend, they gained 42,000 viewers, 312,000 viewers to be exact, for Princess Ozzy and Penelope Pink. And I should uh, reiterate that the, the match that they came off of where they lost 7,000 was a triple threat match, Ozzy, Pink, and Tormenta. And that lost viewers from the previous week, but I digress. Uh <clears throat> But Ozzy and Penelope Pink gained viewers, more than 2,000 viewers. They trended up until the following week 
where they got the Tonga Twins and Miami Sweet Heat again, and they ticked down 57,000 viewers. Everybody that they gained from the previous week, the 42,000 people that they captured and got them to watch, turned away, and then some. They were down to 255,000 views, which is why I said that that 250,000 mark is basically where they hover around. That This appears to be the wild faithful, the ones that are going to tune in to this show no matter what. Regardless of what happens, they're going to tune in to this program. Miami Sweet Heat and Tonga Twins have had their run, and it was nice when they had it. But I don't know if there's a clamoring for them to revisit this all over again. And I've mentioned before, sometimes the wild audience, the ones that's in the the building, and especially the ones that's on their social media platforms will give them a false reading. I don't know if that's what they're basing the matchmaking off of. But they say yes to everything. Everything's good for them. Everything's great for them. Every, every match is fantastic. Everybody's hot. Everybody looks good. You know, there, there, there's no... Um, there's no critique that they put forth for this. And, and I'm not saying that they need to listen to every single person's critique on there. Especially the ones that are just going to be on there and be mean about it. You suck. Does that, you know, <clears throat> unless they're, you know, doing it in, in the context of the persona that that person is portraying on TV, then I was like, yeah, okay, I can see that. But as it is right now, uh, if that is what the barometer is for this is working or this isn't working, they probably should find a different barometer because they are not going to give you close to accurate when everything that they say is, you know, when all they do is disagree. This is great. This is good. I love this. It's wonderful. So on and so forth. That, that's all they do. So I would not based my booking off of them. And this is where it is very difficult for a while. And I I understand and I recognize that it is very difficult for them to book a show when it's taped months in advance. When you take a weekend out of a quarter and you are basically producing three to four months worth of television, it's hard for you to get a read on what people like and what they don't. It's hard to sit up there and say, oh, man, they're, they're really into uh, Princess Ozzy right now, so we need to do more for her. It's hard for them to do that. They can't. They're just going off of what they think or what they you know, feel like the fans would want. And oftentimes, it doesn't do well. It, they, they do gain on occasion. And that's, you know, when they, if they have a, a reasonable match, I guess, if, if there's nothing else that's up in opposition to it, uh, 
they have so many factors that work against them to try to make this show palatable and work. I mean, they, they've they done a great job of retooling it for the little things that they've done. There's been small incremental retoolings, but they have been, been retooling it. And they deserve credit for that. They deserve credit that they have taken the time and tried to fix certain things that others, have, not just me, that others have, uh, I won't say complained about, but given them uh, flack about. If there's anything else that I would say added, like to minimize David McClain's presence. If you're going to be the commentator, be the commentator. Get somebody else to do the, the in-ring stuff. Don't interject in, in, in promos that don't have anything to do with you. Don't start talking over backstage segments. You don't need to be the guy that's in the theater talking to the screen. Things like that. But all of that aside, I do not know if this is the direction that they're going. Because at the end of the show, David McClain does carry on like he may have to step in and do something or say something about this or whatever the case may be. So... There is the potential that this match may not take place. There, there is the hope that Miami's Sweet Heat and the Tonga Twins might not interact with each other. It is the direction that they seem like they're going in right now, but they may not. They may not interact with each other. It is quite possible that they may take a shift in direction. And it would be a shift in the direction that I welcome. I do not need to see Miami Sweet Heat and the Tonga Twins anymore. I'm sure the Tonga Twins are very sweet young ladies. But the more I see of them, the more bland they become to me. They don't really have a striking personality. They talk well. But the question that I keep asking when I want to know like, do they have something else to them besides this? It's like if you remove the idea that they're twins, like if you take off the surface level stuff, how well do you know them? If you remove the, the, the idea that they're from Tonga and that they're twins, what else do we have about the Tonga twins? It's not that much. And the only other things that we do know about him are things that David McClain provided. They didn't get to sit down and have that interview and say what their motivations were. They didn't get to sit down and have that interview and say, you know, now that we got the championships, we, we're not giving anybody, a you know, whatever the case may be, that, or, or something that would help relate their personality. They don't have segments of them backstage interacting with someone else well most of them don't have that the, or, or all the things that would help you understand these person's motivations uh who they are why they're there why is this championship important to you why is being in this company important to you all of those questions that you'd largely get or or get answered in various other locations, you rarely get here. 
One of the examples that I would use with that was uh, Trinity Fatu. And it's not something that she invented. I mean, it happens all the time. But Trinity Fatu, she, when she arrived in Impact, now TNA Wrestling, she made it clear from afar, and this isn't verbatim, but basically from afar, I have watched this division, this legendary division with women in it like Gail Kim and Awesome Kong and ODB and Jordan Grace and Deanna Peraza. And she names off, she puts over all the people, well, not all, but, you know, past and present, the talents that have been in that division, called it legendary, you know, put it up on a pedestal. When she had been in a company that had a women's division, she still came in there and gave them the respect of, hey, no, this division here has some some talent that is legendary and out, out off the chain, out of this world, and it is my honor to come here and not just wrestle in this division, but wrestle for that championship that has so much history underneath it, so much legacy underneath it. It's been fought for and competed on at Bound for Glory, these pay-per-views has been presented on WWE television. Now I'm adding in stuff here now. But you, but you get the point. Is all of those things help portray who they are, why they're there, and what their motivations are going forward. I've Outside of the Tonga Twins in the tag team tournament going for the tag team titles, I've never really gotten what their motivations are and there is almost no personal issues that exist you might exile maybe but their personal issues are within jesse jones and americana maybe but i don't even see where they're going any further with that they they finished it off i know they're going i know they're returning to it but they pretty much beat americana clean so the few times that we get some sort of personal thing is almost immediately blown off or it's very minute. Anything else is just interaction for the sake of interaction. It's just a match for the sake of a match or we got a championship in between us. That's all. Uh, I guess the end point here with the whole tag team scenario that we've got in front of us. Sorry, I just hit my microphone stand if you heard that. Uh, is that we are returning potentially to a twin versus twin match. I'm not looking forward to that, but, you know, it is what it is. It, it may pop up. Uh, hopefully they will surprise me and do something else. They, they, it's not too late. They, they could pivot and they could make something else happen. We'll keep our eyes open and, and uh, tune in to see. Uh, lastly, before we wrap this up, I want to get into what is going to be the uh, the next program for, for a while. <clears throat> As you know, if you listen to this for a while, I generally get an uh, email that talks about what is upcoming for the upcoming weekend of broadcast. 
So what I'm going to read to you now, and I'm not going to do like I did last time and start giving you know spoilers. I did not go look into the, the photos that they have attached to it. So I don't know. I don't know who's winning here or whatever the case may be. One of these team names that popped up, I was really kind of surprised. I thought they left or I haven't seen them in weeks. But um, here is what they have now. This is for season two, episode 20. The only way I know how to fight is the title that they've given us. There's no stopping Americana as she challenges Jesse Jones to a one-on-one contest in the main event. Despite concerns from Santana Garrett, the Brat Pack is joined by an intrigued, intriguing third member as they enter the first round of the trio's tournament against Spring Break 24-7 and Chantilla Chella. Chainsaw attempts to find a victim in heavy metal sister Fury. After losing last week's fatal four-way, the last call take it upon themselves to hatch a backup plan in their quest for a tag team title opportunity. Also in action, Adriana Gambino and Goldie Collins. That is what we have to look forward to. So your four matches is going to be Adriana Gambino versus Goldie Collins. I'm going to call Gambino for that. I don't know. These are just my predictions. I'm going to say Gambino goes over. At least she should. Uh, Jesse Jones should win this. Again, I don't even know why they're returning to that, but that's the main event. The trios tournament, I'm pretty sure if it's spring break 24-7 and Chantilla Chella, that the Brat Pack should win that. Whoever their, you know, third party will be and i only even guess jay boogie because of the uh uh photos that they have on their instagram they seem to have been taking you know putting them together so i'm like oh, they must be doing this for some reason uh <clears throat> i expect chainsaw to go over on heavy metal fury i could be wrong about that one that could that could be close i don't i have no idea what last call is doing or whether there's any point to it because we already know that Wrecking Ball has left the company. So this this could be the beginning of her riding off into the sunset. But why they, you know, anyway, I, I shouldn't even go into my questions right now. We'll, we'll save that for uh, another day. So in closing, again, many thanks for those of you that tune in and listen to these podcasts by the week i really appreciate you and your time uh this is why i I try to do the research that i do is is the reason that i try to cut this up into uh, chapters to try to make this more palatable um just uh all the the little tidbits and things that i've added on as this podcast has progressed i do because uh the people that because of you. <laughs> you you come back you listen the least i can do is put in the effort to try to make it uh as good a show as i can make it um if you have not subscribed or liked the videos please do it always helps and, and i really mean that because it, it has shown some uh changes in the algorithm for youtube i am still uh thinking about putting together the, the prize pack i've looked into some other items that we can add into this autograph photos from some lady wrestlers perhaps comic or, or so maybe a funko thing you know just that's a 
a few other little things, but but it's going to have to be, you know, when I think of a way to actually launch that, that's what I'm going to. And I'm thinking, I am thinking, maybe if we can get an episode over 10 likes. If we can get an episode over 10 likes, then we, maybe we, we can start pushing uh, into into that. Uh, and and then then we can have something up. Also, I got to get back to getting some, uh, some quizzes. If you haven't been onto the WPN uh, YouTube channel for wherever you happen to be listening to this. I know some people do listen to the podcast in other formats, <clears throat> but if you've never been to the YouTube channel, you can go there. There are a few just random questions of, about women's wrestling that you can participate in. All you got to do is go there, go to the community tab, and you can scroll down. And you can see a few of them right then and there. Like one that I have that I'll read for you right now and you can go and check it out and see if you can answer it correctly. All of the following celebrities have interacted with pro wrestling in some form or fashion <clears throat> over the years. But which of the following female celebrities actually did participate in a wrestling match as a wrestler? Your choices are Cindy Lauper, Kim Kardashian, Maria Menudos or JWoww. You can go onto the community tab right now and you can answer that question. If you know the answer, go there and click it. If you if you know your stuff, some of these things are so far and don't and no cheating. No cheating. Answer it off of what you know. I, you know what? I, I, I'll just read off another one just, just because I'm in the mood. You know, and night. Well, let me let me get my, my thing up here. Here we go. In 1950, 32 wrestlers have been recognized as the NWA Women's World Champion, but who is recognized as the first NWA Women's World Champion? That is a question that is on our page as well. You can go down the the uh, the options are the Fabulous Moolah, Debbie Combs, June Byers. Or Mildred Burke. Go over there, check those out. If you know the answers, answer those. I'm always interested to see what people know, and I'm always interested in sharing and, and uh, pushing off some more wrestling information. This this is what I love to do. So, on that note, folks, thanks again for tuning in, giving me your time, downloading this, listening to this on YouTube, checking it out on the website, wherever you happen to be listening to it and sharing this podcast like share subscribe do all the normal youtube stuff if you're on the uh podcast platform subscribe there we do feed out to greater podcast venues and uh you can also go to our store on uh youtube if you wanted to support the channel uh, in some financial means you can get the uh pros and tees uh, our t-shirts we got you're going to have to click the link to get to the actual page to see more of our stuff because they cut down on some of it. It's only showing like three items. There's more than that. Uh, but you can click that. And you can go over to it. Go to spring.com and it will show you the full page of everything that we have if you go to our profile. Uh, the one that I would suggest, no silly stuff, <laughs> just wrestling. That is the uh, that's one of my favorite shirts right there. But anyway, all of those things there available for you. You can go look through the products. They are 
sitting waiting for your approval face masks t-shirts leggings uh long sleeve wife beaters you name it they're all they're all there i probably should find a different name for it than that doesn't work here does it wife beater i don't know i'm just used to saying this that's an old term anyway so on that note folks i appreciate you tune in next week we will talk more about uh wow and this in this content and maybe there'll be more news in pro wrestling i know there's news about vince mcmahon right now and some of his dirty deeds but i i didn't want to get into that and on that i will close by saying that this is mr green saying that this is mr green saying so long and we will see you on the next go round thank you thank you let me get get the marbles out of my mouth thank you and take care everybody thank you for listening to the wpn's rights and wrongs of pro wrestling if you have questions or comments please contact us via our facebook or our youtube channel at the women's pro wrestling network if you're new to the wpn feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page we appreciate your support thank you again for listening